Hjertelig velkommen til et nytt program på Israel-kanalen. I dag så har vi tatt turen til Jerusalem og skal snakke med lederen av en organisasjon som er kjent for sitt arbeid eh, som ja til livet. Eh, og dette er altså Sandy Shoshani. Welcome to the pro program, Sandy. Thank you so much. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this organization, about Beat Chaim, what uh, the purpose is and, and how it started? Sure. Beat Chaim began in 1988. I was not the founder. There were other Christians and Messianic Jews together who researched the number of abortions in Israel and realized that it was every fourth pregnancy in the early 1980s was ending in an abortion. So many abortions here. And our government pays for the abortions we had this year about 18,000 abortions paid for by the government and that many private, which are illegal, but that many private abortions. And in the 70s and 80s, the number of abortions was so high and so difficult. And so they believed that they had to do something to change abortion. And they began by giving out flyers and outreach on the streets, baby models. And um, it was very difficult to save a baby in those years. But their goal was to base us in prayer, which they did. They gave us a good prayer base. In 2005, I was asked to join as director. There hadn't been a director for a few years. And I was told, do like we've been doing. Go out in the streets, give out flyers, uh, talk in the schools, raise interest. But the Lord, if I can share, the Lord did something so remarkable. I spoke in a Baptist church in Tel Aviv. And they were all English speakers. And you know, I'm trying to help Israeli women, but English speakers and um, uh, refugees and foreign workers, and I'm thinking, why am I speaking in this church? And after I spoke, the pastor looked at me and said, we have to make a difference. We have to change something about the way you're working so we can actually save lives. And we decided together to start a program called Operation Moses. We began the project in 2006. It's a project that gives mothers everything that they need for their baby for a full year. The baby bed, the stroller, the diapers, the bed sheets, um, and every month she gets a gift card to go to her local shop to buy what she needs for her baby. In those early years, we were giving the items we were bringing to her home, the diapers and the formula, but now we have too many women. The first year, praise God, we were able to save 14 lives from abortion wow. just by providing materially, practically what the mother needed. And um, the next year, we saved about 40 lives. Right now, I just give all God all the glory. We're helping 600 women nationally. That's amazing. It's been amazing. We've saved more than 4,000 babies since we began the program. The Lord has been so good to us, enabling us. Mm. It's, it's a wonderful program to save lives through emotional help and practical help. Yeah, so, but in Israel in general, uh, how, how is you know abortion viewed? I mean, in Norway, there's a huge debate about uh, you know, the week that you are up to the age right. of the, the, the uh, child, how old it can be to be aborted. Uh, how is it in Israel? I'm happy to hear you have a debate. I love when I hear there's debate. In Israel, there's no debate. There's no conversation. In Israel, the baby is not a human being. It has no rights until the head emerges and the cord is cut. And otherwise, not a person. Not a person. And um, the mother's, it's considered, the baby is considered part of the mother's body, which of course it's not. I mean, let's be reasonable. The baby's inside the mother being protected, but also this child when he comes out 
is being held by the mother and protected. He's not independent. But in Israel, it's considered the mother's body in every possible way, her right to conclude, to stop the life of the child. There's no conversation. We, Ba'ad Chaim, Ba'ad Chaim means pro-life, simply like Chaim in Fiddler on the Roof, Ba'ad Chaim. One of the things we're doing right now is presenting a uh, proposal to the Israeli Supreme Court. We submitted the proposal on Sunday um, to ask to stop abortion at 24 weeks, which may sound like, why 24 weeks? Why not stop earlier? And it's because even until birth, you can have an abortion here. And at 24 weeks, a child is considered viable uh, in Israel, that he could live, survive outside the womb. So at least then we can say, and we've had doctors recommend us, and we've submitted letters with a doctor and a presentation saying this child at 24 weeks is a human being. We cannot take the life of a human being. And this person in the womb at 24 weeks deserves to be protected as a human being. We have two people we're involving now, mother and child. We're not discussing the mother's arm. You know, if the mother's arm we were discussing, then when we cut it off, she'd be missing an arm. But when, you, when a baby's delivered, she's not missing anything. She has a baby in her arms. This is a human being. And it's our goal to protect that human being. Yeah. And you protect the babies by giving support to mothers. Well, we, we you know, actually, we don't only help the baby. We help the mother. And our, our nonprofit is called Be'ad Chaim, Israel Pro-Life, to protect first mother and then child. Mm. Because the mother is in a very vulnerable, very, very difficult, frightening position. I don't really, it doesn't matter how old she is. First of all, by the way, we're not talking about women who are 15 years old. That women under 18 are less than 9%. It's not that. And half of the abortions in Israel are married couples. And our goal is to be there for the mother, to help her choose life. You know, when she calls our hotline, she usually says, I have to have an abortion, I have no choice. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about freedom of choice for the mother, pro-choice. It's not a choice. If her boyfriend says, I'm going to leave you if you don't abort, if her husband says, we're not having this baby or I'm going to end this marriage, that is not a choice. If her father says, I'm kicking you out of the house when she's 20 and she has no place to live, that's no choice. We offer her a fair choice to choose life for her child. That's yeah. a choice. So how is this, this received in the public here in Israel, your help? So right, so the women who know us, and as I've said, we've helped more than 4,000 women. The women who know us or know about us or their mothers or their husbands or their friends, they love us. Because what are we offering? We're offering new hope for that woman who's in crisis and we're offering practical help. And we have fantastic counselors all over the country who are here to love the women and care for them. But if you don't know us, <laughs> if you only see my giant billboard that I did five times on the highway between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, and you see it and it says you don't have to abort, then you're going to get angry. Because you're going to say, it's my body. Don't tell me what to do with my womb. That's what they say here in Israel. My womb, get out of my womb. That's the Israeli expression. But that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to force anybody. We're trying to enable her to be brave enough and to have enough resources to keep her child. And you know, if, if I can share a little story, sure. you know, um, it's kind of, it's a sad story in a way, but it's a true story. There was a soldier who came in one day for a pregnancy test. And when she realized she was pregnant, she ran out 
And I saw her later because I was handing out flyers on the streets and I saw this soldier at the bus station. And I, I, I prayed a prayer. She was with all the other soldiers. And I said, Lord, if you want me to talk to her, let her be alone. And of course, the Lord heard my prayer and she was alone within a moment. You know, all of a sudden, it was, I was like, how did that happen? So I gently went to her and I said, I saw you in the office and I know it's confidential, but I'd like to ask you, are you still pregnant? She said, I am, but I'm going to abort. If I don't abort, first of all, the army will pay for my abortion. I don't want to leave the army. If I remain pregnant, I have to leave the army. It's, um, I will feel ashamed. I don't want to do that. My parents don't want the baby. My boyfriend isn't ready for the baby. We're not having this baby. And I, I offered her, of course, financial assistance. I offered to speak to her parents. I offered whatever I could. She said, no, I'm going to abort this baby. And I started to walk away from this woman. And as I walked away, she said, come here, I want to talk to you. I said, what is it? And she said, why am I feeling so hungry and tired all the time? And I just naturally, in a reflex, responded, because honey, your mind doesn't want this child. And your heart is not ready for this child. But your body is already a mother. Your body is caring and protecting for another human being. That's why you're so tired. And her knees crumbled and she fell on the ground at the central bus station weeping. Why? Because it's a reflex. It's an instinct of a woman to protect her child. Mm. And I have seen that many, many times. That women, when you say, if you have no problems, if, you're, if you had support, if your boyfriend stayed with you, what would you do? She said, of course I keep the baby, but I can't, I have too many problems. She doesn't want to abort. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to abort my baby. Mm. It's their instinct and women weep after yeah. the abortion. You, you may know, they go to the hospital and they come out and they're weeping and yes. they're depressed. They don't want to abort and we're here to help. Yeah, the emotional side of having an abortion, uh, I mean, in Norway we talk about that as well. Right. Uh, but it's kind of suppressed because, okay, get rid of it, get an abortion, get over it. But then you have the long-term effects, which, which you know, in, in psychological trauma and, That's right. and, and start, the women starts to struggle with that, maybe later on in life and so on. Correct, many times. We actually, we actually have our program is kind of threefold. It's help for the mother in crisis. It's practical help and it's healing for those who've lost their baby. And we help those who've had an abortion, miscarriage, and a stillbirth. And um, the reason we do that is because, as you say, it's almost like, never mind, get over it. But her heart is broken. Mm. If she's had an abortion, she's living with guilt, shame, embarrassment. If she's come to faith as a Christian, which many women do as a result of their pain, they often sit in the back of the congregation the church, they feel like people, if they knew about it, they would not like them. And it's our goal to bring her healing and help. One of the things we do, well, one thing we do is to have counseling. We have several wonderful workbooks that we use for people who are believers in Yeshua, in Jesus, a workbook for people who believe only in the Old Testament, and another workbook for people who are secular. And we really try to meet their need. And the other thing we have, which is fantastic, and I want our Norwegian listeners to hear this, we have a garden called the Gardens of Life where trees are planted in memory of babies that died. And people from all over the world are welcome to either plant when they visit Israel, please visit Israel, or we would plant in their stead and then we send them a certificate and photographs of the tree. 
because we want to bring healing to people around the world when they've lost a child. How has the response been on that? Wonderful. You know, yeah. we had one woman, she had two abortions and never had a baby, and she was heartbroken. And she went also here. When, you, when your baby dies here, you don't bury your baby. The rabbis do that, and you don't know where your baby is. You can ask, you can ask, but it's not common. And so women have no closure. So that woman, she had two abortions. She went, she planted a tree, and she told me, this is the first time I've ever done anything for the children that I lost. Mm. It was such a blessing. Many women around the world have. We had a group of Chinese, and they thought they were just going to volunteer in the garden and help us. And then I shared what we do there. And they started weeping, because of course they'd all had abortions. And they were weeping and weeping mm. and weeping. And we were able to pray for them and minister to them and love them. A group came from Portugal, and they also didn't know what to expect when they came. Tourist group. And as I shared, I said, does anybody want to share? And one woman said, I had an abortion, and I've never told anyone except my husband. Mm. And she was weeping. And we were able to bless that woman. And she found freedom. This is our goal. Another woman came from Switzerland, and she said, oh, this was really bad. She was Catholic, and she felt terrible guilt, but no freedom. She couldn't receive the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus. She knew the shame and the guilt, but she couldn't receive it. She knew he'd forgiven her, but she couldn't receive it. And she came with a cloth with the remain of the baby and the blood. She'd had a chemical abortion, and the baby had come out in her home, and she carried that cloth with her. She had had it under her pillow from April until she came in October. And she took that cloth, and we shared the Lord's love and forgiveness of Jesus with her. And she accepted his love, and she mm. accepted Jesus as her savior and her forgiver. And she took that cloth, and she put it in the hole, and planted the tree over it. And she later wrote me and said, I know now that I am forgiven, and I'm set mm. free from my guilt and shame. What that's, could be better? Mm. What could be better? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I understand that what you're doing is really making an impact in, in women's lives. It is. Yeah. yeah, we want to change their lives. We want to bring healing and wholeness to mm. women. You know, when women come to the office with a baby in their arms, I've heard, I heard two women saying to each other, I would have aborted this baby if it weren't for them. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And they're telling each other, and we're so grateful. And women, one woman sent a letter. She said to our counselor, I will never forget what you've done for me. I have my child now. You know, fear makes us act impulsively. When you're pregnant and nobody supports you, you're just so scared. You just think like a knee jerk, you know, I'll just abort. I'll get rid of the problem. But you're not getting rid of the problem. You're creating a problem. Yeah. I had a, a couple here last week. I love this. She's 20 years old. She was pregnant in the army and they told her abort. Everybody said abort. You're going to be out of the army. Abort. Her mother said abort. His mother said abort. The boy said abort. And she said, I can't. I cannot kill my child. I can't do it. Something in her spirit. And after a little while, the boyfriend came to her side. And they got married. They got married two weeks ago. And this couple was in my office. I'm helping them financially, of course, through the Operation Moses Project, providing everything. And also, I'm subsidizing their rent because we want to make an impact. I told them, you are my heroes. 20-year-old woman, 22-year-old guy. She left the army. Their parents are not supporting them. And they are brave heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it costs to, to raise a child, you know, but uh, it's also a blessing. 
Yeah. You know, it, it, children are blessings from God. Hallelujah. So if you cut that off, you say no, no to God, actually. That's, uh, you return the gift to God unopened. Yeah, yeah. And he's trying to bless us. Yes. Yeah. When you see, it, uh, see the demographics, who, who are doing the abortions? Are there groups? I, I was thinking that, you know, the Jews, in their, in their belief, their life, you know, is sacred, uh, you know, but, but not when it comes to, to, to uh, unborn children. Is that right? That's correct. There's a problem. Um, the rabbis say that the mother's life has precedence over the baby's, which, of course, would be true if she was going to die. But that also includes, for example, a single religious girl. I've heard women come to me who said, the rabbi said I could abort because how would I find a shiduch, a matchmaker? Yeah. How would that happen? Or I had a woman come to me and the baby, they said, might be handicapped. And the rabbi said, can you cope with a handicapped child? She said, no. He said, you can abort. And so we're talking about pretty much everybody would have an abortion. We help everybody here, by the way. There's another Orthodox organization in Israel. They help only women with Jewish mothers and the father has to be Jewish. We help everybody. We help Arabs. Jews, uh, foreign workers, uh, refugees, we are here to help everybody because we care about the people. We, we believe the rain and the snow fall on all of us and so God has created each mm. one in his image. Yeah, a few uh, years back there was, uh, you know, the uh, Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. And there was an Israeli group uh, singing there, the Shalva Band. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. These precious handicapped people, you know, is almost uh, you know eradicated through abortions. Correct. Uh, we see that you know all over Europe. And how is it in Israel? Yeah. Also in Israel, Israel is number one in the world for prenatal testing, and they they say to abort if there's a suspected problem with the baby. So you're right. Even for example, if they think uh, Down syndrome, they're always aborted unless the parents don't do the testing or choose to be, or they're maybe believers yeah. in God and they won't do it. But even if a baby might have a hole in their heart, they might be told to abort. One of our counselors here, her son had um, a cleft lip, which is surgically corrected at 10 weeks, you know? And they told her you should abort, it might indicate brain damage. She did not abort because she's a believer in God. And her son had the surgery, it's actually twins, and I can't tell the twins apart. There's no reason to abort. These children are precious, God-given gifts. And if they're handicapped, then God has a special purpose of bringing mm. mercy and kindness into our society. Yeah so, yeah, so I think that what we have here is like a universal uh, disregard of life actually yes. coming up. That's right. Um, what do you see in the, in the future, in the near future for your organization? Well. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're growing so much. I mean, when I started here, there were four counselors and they were saving one baby a year. And then, as I said, Project Moses, 14 babies, 40 babies, and now 600. I'm expecting probably in the next few years it'll be 1,000 a year. We've grown. We have, uh, I think, our staff is now 30 people. We just keep growing and growing. And I'm also pushing hard in media. So as I said, we had a giant billboard on the highway. We had this year 250 buses across the nation. Right now I'm praying about more radio advertising. I'm not sure. I just want to do what's right, but I know I'm going to the top of Google. We're pushing hard all over the internet with YouTube videos, 
We want to promote life in this nation and get a voice. It's really, really important to me to have a voice and something that burns on my heart, of course, is to be able to begin a national parade for life, to get whoever's willing to stand with us in public. People are not willing in this country to stand in public about abortion, they feel ashamed. And I want people to take a stand and say, that baby in the womb is a human being deserving of life like any other human being. Hmm. Uh, this uh, legal proposal that you mentioned about uh, yeah. uh, limiting abortions to week 24, uh, how is the, how, what do you, what do you think of that? this? Is it just a political thing or is it uh, something that you really see coming true? Yes. Okay, I hope it would come true. I, it has to go first in the lower court to one uh, judge who's on a rotation. If he passes it forward to the three-judge committee, I'm just praying. Those judges rotate in Israel. It's not a set judge panel. They rotate, and I have to pray for the right people who would be pro-life. I don't know. We've already proposed to the Minister of Health. The Minister of Health in Israel is um, a man who is very much pro-abortion. He's trying to make abortion simpler and, and even easier. Mm. So he rejected our letters to him and our proposals to him. Many times I've approached the ministers of health. It's not helped me at all, but I'm just going to keep pushing. You know, I really believe that it's the public that can change the government, not the opposite. We need to get the people to believe that the baby in the womb is a human being, and then we can move forward in the government. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Israel Channel has been, you know, very focused on Aliyah, you know, taking the Jews back to the land. But what I see is that what the work that you do is actually also a kind of aliyah yeah, right. because you are saving the unborn child. That's true. It's a form of aliyah. We're populating our nation. That's yeah. true. It's more than aliyah, though. It's changing the hearts. And, you know, in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 1, it says that God will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, and then the Messiah will come. And I want to see the broken-hearted people in our nation. We've had two million abortions in our nation. I want to see the broken-hearted people healed. I want to see wholeness for our nation. I want to see people coming in. But many of the people coming in, especially now from the Ukraine, have had abortions. They're broken-hearted. They need healing. Yeah. We've offered financial help, of course, for any new mother, anybody pregnant. We want to help save babies. But we want to help bring healing to the mother. We want wholeness for our families. We don't want to see our families falling apart. We want to see our nation whole and healed with people who know that they're forgiven and know their God. Yeah. Amen. I say amen to that. I really feel that the, you know, the anointing in what you're saying about saving lives and seeing the change, seeing God come, God's life come true in, in, the, in the women's life. And not only the women, also the men will amen. be affected with that. So. Amen. I would thank you very much for your work, uh, Sandy. And I'm so happy that we can be able to support you a little bit. Thanks so much. Uh, not so much, but a little bit we can... Your prayers, your yeah, yeah, love, your yeah. friendship means a lot. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you for your participation in this program. Ja, det var det vi hade for denne gangen. Jeg håper at du har fått litt inntrykk av hva Beat Chaim og Sandy Shoshani og hennes organisation faktisk er med på å utføre her i Israel. Dette er altså en av de organisasjonene som Israel-kanalen aktivt har gått inn for å støtte de siste årene. Da vil jeg si tusen takk for at du har fulgt oss, og på gjensynlig neste uke. Tusen takk for nå.